This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. We're going to turn next um, to talking a little bit about the place we are sitting right now here in New York City. Um, We are welcoming Blair Duncan, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the Upper Manhattan Empowerment Zone. Um, He's been there for the better part of two decades, starting as general counsel um, and, and growing his role in organization. So, Blair, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great to have you with us. So so tell us, um, do you refer to it as the Upper Manhattan Empowerment Zone or UMES? We actually refer to it as UMES, UMES. but um, it's an easier acronym for people to understand. (laughs) So tell us us what UMES is. So UMES is a not-for-profit corporation. It's uh, independent and receives its funding from governmental sources, both the city, the state, and the federal government. And what we do is we invest in the communities of Upper Manhattan, which are Washington Heights, Harlem, and East Harlem. And and uh, so this investment, you invest in, in uh, these communities with a goal of economic development, uh, job creation. Tell us more. So what we look at are three real metrics, um, job creation, uh, we look at uh, small business development, and capacity building for cultural organizations. So we've invested $250 million in the community. Uh, We've created 100 uh, small businesses, and we have um, been able to um, really create 10,000 jobs in the community. That's huge. And give us a little bit more of a picture about what this investment, you know, when you say you've invested, I don't remember the number, but... $250 million. $250 million, that's a lot of money, obviously. You've invested this in in what, how? Surely. We look at um, two different areas. There are um, loans that UMES makes and grants that we make. And the loan projects are in... Um, Infrastructure uh, development in terms of, for example, a recently a George Washington Bridge uh, bus terminal renovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we did by it's, it's located in Washington Heights, and it created a hundred thousand square feet of commercial retail, and that brought to the community uh, services that had not been there before. Uh, services like a Marshalls, a uh, new grocery store, mm-hmm. uh, as well as other retail opportunities. And so that's the type of thing that we look to do, as well as cultural organizations we invest in that will sustain the identity of the communities that we, we were in. And so, so, Blair, as you're making these investments, $250 million, and I think leveraging over $1.1 billion in private capital in total, how are you... Um, how are you looking to the evidence base to understand what works? You're deploying these these impactful amounts of capital. What do you look to to decide, you know, what the best way to do so is? So we're looking to see really where can we – jobs is the main thing. So we want to look at projects that are going to develop not only construction jobs, but are going to be permanent jobs in the community. So we're really looking at those types of transactions uh, to invest in as well as we're looking how can we leverage additional capital Mm -hmm. uh, in order to be able to make sure that the dollars we have, although $250 million sounds like a lot, 
in, in, in the scale of upper Manhattan, no. it's a small amount. So we're really looking to leverage those dollars, leverage jobs. And so what is it, you know, tell the story of some leveraged capital. How did, how did UMES use its capital to um, bring other dollars to the table in a particular project? So in the, uh, we're working on a uh, development project that is uh, called the Victoria Theater. Uh, it's going to have both a uh, cultural commercial space, um, mixed-use housing, and a Marriott uh, Renaissance Hotel. So we look at ourselves as that but-for capital. Mm-hmm. The, the project was um, looking to uh, be completed. Senior lenders only go up to a certain amount of loan-to-value. Maybe it's 65 70%. The developer may have 20%. We look to be that gap financing. So that's an example where our $10 million loan investment actually leveraged an additional $100 million for that project. So I'm, I'm curious, as, you, uh, as you've, with all the experience you've had um, in, in this kind of investment, uh, how you think about gentrification, right? Because I think when we, for many people, when we think about investments in cities, and, and for many of us who can just see our cities transforming, um, there, there's also like, wow, the city is changing, and it's so beautiful and so great, and wow, what happened to the people who lived here? Uh, and are they being pushed out and marginalized and, and living in places that are even less, you know, more, perhaps more expensive and less convenient? How do you think about gentrification? How do you combat gentrification? So what we look at is the development projects that we've worked on are usually uh, vacant parcels of land. So it's not displacing mm-hmm, anyone. Mm-hmm, and the as we have the growth and development and bring services to the community, what we try to do is this is the uh, cult where the cultural side comes in. We invest in cultural institutions because the cultural institutions help sustain the identity of the community. So you have all the growth happening around it, but you want to make sure places like the Apollo Studio Museum, El Museo de Barro are still there. They're large employers as well. So mm-hmm. we'll invest in them, sustain them, and they help keep the identity of the community as its growth is occurring. Interesting. And what is the, what's the role of UMES? Because, um, I'm thinking about who are the investors who are actually bringing forth the capital, and then what is the specific role of UMES um, you know, in, in, that, in those transactions? So we're a capital deployment organization. We draw on funding from the city, the state, and the federal government. Um, 25 years ago, there was an initial allocation of $100 million for federal dollars. Uh, this was part of an empowerment zone mm, program. I see. Mm-hmm. And there was matching funding from the city and the state. So those funds have been allocated. What UMES did made a strategic decision before I was there, which was to invest in grants, but also to make loans. Mm-hmm. It was about 50-50. Well, the loans get repaid. Yeah. And so we're recycling those loan funds. Going forward, we'll look at probably a 70-30 toggle more toward loans and less toward grants. Interesting. And you talked, Blair, about a few recent examples, things that you're building and doing, but UMass has a nice history. Can you talk about a, a project that was done, you know, a decade ago and, and the impact that it's made and, and what you see in the community now after, you know, it, making this investment? Yes. Um, one of the threshold investments was in um, the uh, early late, late 90s, early uh, 2000, which was Harlem, USA. And Harlem, USA was really the first test to bring commercial, to show that um, there was a commercial opportunity for retailers 
in Upper Manhattan, underserved need. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you had a Magic Johnson theater, uh, a Gap came in, um, and so those service and a Disney had moved into uh, 125th Street, and so it was really a a a, a watermark uh, project that demonstrate it to the rest of the community that, you know what, there's a market here that's underserved and there's an economic opportunity mm-hmm. for for-profit businesses. And did that attract other business? It did. Okay. It did. It was a catalyst. And So you've been with UMES working on you know economic development in Upper Manhattan for 15 years? That's right. Um, talk to us about the kinds of trends you've seen. What's, what's different today than 10 or 15 years ago? So one of the things that's interesting is that the land I talk about that was um, available, the land values have gone up. <laughs> a lot of the land that uh, was uh, owned by the city uh, has been disposed. And so now it's more challenging for development because the value of land has risen so much. So unless someone has owned a parcel for 10 or 15 years, mm-hmm. the economics are really much more difficult. I think that's one of the, the the major things that we see. And also that we have to be out more actively uh, demonstrating that we want to invest in projects mm-hmm. because there's more capital now coming into the community. Interesting. So we have competitors where 15 years ago, we people would come us and come to us and find us. Interesting. Does that mean that you should consider? Uh, I mean, I can imagine another response, which is, our work is done here, uh, and we should pivot and and go towards where we know we are fulfilling a different and greater need. We still think there is a need. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of development. I think that there are opportunities now for instead of pure commercial mixed use development that will also bring uh, job opportunities into the community, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as well as there's always this effort for sustaining the capacity of our cultural organizations. That won't ever go away. Right, right. So, you know, I'm imagining job creation is the number one metric you're looking at, as you referenced. It's the key goal. What other, um, you know, signals or measures of economic, you know, uh, growth, community stability, do you see and do you look at as a way to measure the success of these projects? Employment is something that's always critical, and and Upper Manhattan still has twice the unemployment rate as the city. So that's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, Jobs will be important, and also small businesses. uh, How are they faring? Um, There was a recent study by the controller that showed uh, for the city that uh, black businesses were actually shrinking in Upper Manhattan. And so we're looking at how can we be sure to make our uh, capital available to uh, a lot of the residents that they know that that's available. Many of the small businesses are borrowing from us because they are unable to get financing from other sources. Interesting. Um, We've been having some, uh, with a number of our guests, we've been having some conversations about their careers and their career path. As you think about you know, what it is that's allowed you to become the president and CEO of the Upper Manhattan Empowerment Zone, what's made this an appealing uh, uh, workplace for you and a place to demonstrate your leadership. Um, talk to us about that path and what it is, you know, what you what you have found at UMES that you were looking for or you realized you were looking for. I, as you mentioned I've been at UMES for uh, 15 years now. I yeah. uh, started as general counsel. I, After uh, business school, I graduated from Wharton, and I went to work uh, for a commercial bank in New York, mm-hmm. worked for five years, and decided to go to law school. 
And after law school, I worked um, both on outside counsel and in-house counsel for nonprofits and for-profit mm-hmm. organizations. Mm-hmm. And I always had a passion for economic development, which I think is rooted in growing up in Detroit, where I know what happens to a community yeah. that suffers from disinvestment. And Harlem uh, was neglected, too, and UMES was an entity uh, that helped to develop that organization, that, that community. Excellent. So as we are coming to the last couple minutes, uh, I'm, you know, we always try to make sure that our guests, um, that our listeners are able to take things away from their guests and leveraging your expertise in community development. What advice do you have for, um, for businesses or for, you know, any stakeholders in community about how they can, um, you know, play good defense to, to stop you know, to stop any shifts in their community that might end up with, you know, businesses departing or um, ending up in a, in a difficult situation? What's going to be, what's proactive behavior that will help avoid any problems? One thing is that uh, small businesses have to be very active in terms of outreach within the community. Find other community-based organizations where um, you can leverage uh, either social media or connections and, and become part of the fabric of the community. That's, a, that's an important aspect is the outreach that you do as a small business is important to sustain uh, your, 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 your customer base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what is that? You know, I, I'm imagining, you know, the small businesses in my community and they do, you know, shopping nights or girls night out where they try to, you know, we'll have drinks in the stores and we're building this economic development and it's clear that they have those networks with one another that you're talking about. What's the the sort of material outcome of that? What's the business case of the social media connections and community connections? What does that result in? So I'll give you an example. There's a small um, uh, ice cream parlor that we invested in. Uh, We made a loan. It was a family business. Uh, It's been the first ice cream parlor in uh, Harlem in the last 25 years. And what they do is they have uh, birthday parties for oh. our kids. They, they bring in some uh, young-age school kids to, so that they can see how ice cream is made. Um, that kind of outreach, what it does is it uh, engenders a community uh, involvement, and people want to go to those, those shops. So you can see uh, a, a family walking to the, with balloons right. <laughs> for the ice cream part celebration. And uh, I think that's the kind of thing that you want to integrate yourself as part of the community. Got it. That's very cool. I just I recently read a book, and I wish I could remember the title right now, but it talks about how you can um, make where you live home. Mm. And one of the things it advocates for is, you know, to take a day or a week and try to walk like buy everything you purchase within walking distance. Yep, so does yep. a local butcher, the local ice cream shop. That's how I live. Yeah. Hey, that's, I mean, it's a great way <laughs> yeah. to live. Um, so very interesting to hear about um, the capital that helps make those communities possible and um, and the way that it, it attracts other capital and helps to kind of um, allow these communities to flourish. So Blair, thank you for being with us and sharing the stories of UMES, the Upper Manhattan Empowerment Zone with our listeners. Thank you very much for having me here today. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.